What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, flamethrowers. Shereen here. I'm very, very excited today. Also possibly torn for different reasons, but we will get into that later. Today, I have absolutely the pleasure of having Monique Lamoureux-Mirando and Jocelyn Lamoureux-Davidson on the show. Here comes Monique Lamoureux dropping it off for sister Jocelyn. Yes, I'm talking about the stars of the final 2018 Pyeongchang. I'm talking about the formidable women hockey players from North Dakota, the ones who have recently announced their retirement. I'm so grateful that they're on the show today. A little bit about them, if you don't know, they actually grew up playing hockey with their older brothers and who, the older brothers who, in addition to teaching them and playing with them, taught them how to compete with everybody. There were no girls teams, so they just played with the boys. Their careers skyrocketed and they won six world championships in three Olympic medals. The women's gold medal matchup between the United States and Canada. Including the one I mentioned, 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. That broke my heart, but that's okay. Uh, they continue to face barriers and unequal treatment, and one of the most important and impactful things they've done for women's sport is literally fight against that injustice. Definitely will get into that, including possibly boycotting the 2017 World Championship. They threatened to, rather, and really spoke up about inequality in women's sport, which was hugely, hugely important. Um, they most recently published Dare to Make History, which is their story, co-written by the two of them. And it speaks about how they weren't willing to accept anything less than equal treatment and their journey as hockey players, as moms, wives, and formidable people. Welcome, Jocelyn and Monique. Thanks for Thanks having for us. Having us. Um, okay, so in addition to being amazing hockey players, Monique, another thing that you've been doing, which is also amazing, in addition to both of you birthing this book, you're very pregnant. Yeah, I'm about <laughs> to go any any minute. Hopefully not this week. Um, yeah, I'm 30, 37 and a half weeks pregnant, so I'm having wow. our, we're having a, another boy coming up here shortly, so we're, we're pretty excited to be growing our family, though. Congratulations to you. Maybe by the time this airs, you might have another little player on your team. Yeah, I know. Probably will. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the beginning. Let's talk about North Dakota. Let's talk about your origin story in hockey and how that came to be. 
So we have four older brothers, and I think it's important to note that there was six of us born in a five-year span, so we were very tight in age, um, and I think when people hear that, they're like, oh, your poor mother. Uh, <laughs> But we just wanted to do whatever they were doing growing up. So if it was street hockey in the summer, baseball in the backyard, pond hockey in the winter, we just basically followed them everywhere. But we were not allowed to play unless we could keep up. So as long as we weren't making the game worse, um, we were allowed to play. Um, And so just from a very young age, we just always had to compete and try our hardest um, to keep up with our older brothers. And As you mentioned uh, in the intro, we did not have girls teams to play on uh, growing up and starting in hockey. So we just played with the boys, which was kind of our normal with our households. Um, But we always had each other, which made our journey unique. Uh, When we, as we got older and we weren't allowed to dress in the same locker room, we at least were together in our own locker room, which is not the story of a lot of our teammates. And so we're just very fortunate that we had each other going through a process like that because that's not easy being basically segregated from your teammates and missing out on on certain things uh, that a team goes through but uh, yeah we just learned to love the game from I think a very pure place uh, growing up playing outside on the frozen pond Um, you know no coaches and no parents are telling you what to do one family if they had to go up their mom would blow the whistle three times or was that our that might have been our mom blowing it three times that was so our it was mom. just a very fun way to learn to love the game and enjoy it and I think that's why we've just you know been so passionate and enjoyed the game for so long so your book is is really amazing I love the way that you both wrote it and there's sections that Nikki contributed to and there's sections that Jocelyn did one of the things that really caught me I love this you talk about your family a lot you're both very very family oriented your great grandma was a hundred years old. Yeah. Like, and she was volunteering at an assisted living facility, even though she was older than most of the people that are that. I was just wowed by that. She was older than all of them. <laughs> and that's amazing. And just that energy, like you seem to draw a lot from that energy of your family. So did that did they come with you to all these things or like the, the tournaments and the championships? Were they able to be there? Or is that something that you struggled with if you had to be away from? Well, it, it wasn't so much struggling being away. It was more of like with our parents when we were growing up, like you have two parents and six kids. And so our parents had to split time between figuring out who was going to go to watch games. So like just like we played a bunch of different sports growing up. But when you just look at hockey specifically, our dad would bring out a calendar at the beginning of this big, huge calendar he'd put out on the desk and he'd put everyone's schedule into the calendar for the year for practices and games. And then you'd look at the game schedule and figure out, okay, I'm going to take so-and-so here. Linda's going to take so-and-so there. And then we got to get carpool situation for the other four. Cause there would be at least four teams that they would be dealing with. And so from a young age, like sometimes our parents couldn't be at games. And then when we went to boarding school, it was the same thing. Like our brothers were playing juniors. We had one brother in college. We were at boarding school. So like our national championship, for example, our grandparents uh, came to our freshman year national tournament and were able to be there. So that was like huge for us that like I still like cherish them being able to come to that or the world championships and Kamloops um, 
British Columbia in 2016, I believe it was. Our grandparents were able to come to that and an aunt and uncle were able to come to that. So they couldn't come to everything, but whenever they could be somewhere because our family was so large, it was always just made that event extra special for us. A funny story though, our grandpa, so in 2010, there was a test event <laughs> in Vancouver in the fall. So kind of like, it was like a preseason tournament basically um, with us, Canada, Finland, and Sweden. And our grandpa shows up and we're, uh, I think we're 19 or 20 at the time. And our grandpa shows up in Hockey Canada hat. <laughs> and we're like, grandpa, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, you can't wear that now. <laughs> like, just, it's just so funny to think about that. How, like they, they drove from Alberta to Vancouver to come support us. And our grandpa's wearing his Hockey Canada hat. Just funny. <laughs> And just for the listeners that don't know, uh, Jocelyn and Ray, when one of their side families from Alberta, so they do have dual citizenship, which is which explains why Grandpa's wearing the Hockey Canada hat. Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask is about your journey as twins. Also, being you've been together, you went to boarding school together, you made teams and didn't make teams together. Um, was there ever a time were you always like synchronous in your love for hockey, or was it a time where one of you maybe wanted to step back a little bit? I would say it was always, everything was always very mutual. Like when we were deciding where to go to college, it was never really a conversation of, are we going to go together? It was just kind of this known thing that we were going to go together and come to the decision together. Same thing when we transferred, we transferred from the University of Minnesota to University of North Dakota. It was just this, we both just had the same feeling that we needed to be somewhere else. And so, yeah, it was all, I don't think we ever... I think we're lucky in that aspect of being twins that we just always, you didn't always have to have a conversation about it. It was just this unspoken agreement and just this paralleled love for the game and passion for the game. One of the things that I wanted to, to ask you and moving into throughout that journey was when um, you both talk in your book very specifically about how you didn't make the national team for, and, and, I'm just wondering in the process of writing this book, was there stuff that you're like, no, that's too, that's too detailed because you were very honest in how your names were the last two called on that run, that meeting. And I was just wondering, is there, is there a process by which you guys hash out what will go in the book? Cause obviously you can't, there's stuff that you're not going to put in there. I mean, it's just your life, right? Yeah, well, I think we wanted to be really honest. Like, no one wants to read a book about how great everything was in your life. Yeah. What sports fans have seen of our careers is mostly the high points. Um, I I think, you know, most people understand that it's not always, you know, winning medals and all the fun, the fun stuff that they see. But there's more adversity, I think, you know, within our career that than a lot of people understand or realize um and then adversity that we faced off the ice and and how we've managed to deal with that and take those those moments of you know dealing with with heartbreak and loss and um things not going well on the ice and how how we use that to to make us better people and better players um and so i think that's an important part of the process of writing the book that we wanted to we definitely wanted to share those things. And then going through the editing process, uh, we were encouraged. When you go through the editing process, it is it gets very tedious. You're reading the same pages over and over. And it's like, what else can we possibly add? You know, what what's not adding color or substance to the book in, in its entirety? And so when we had a, 
another editor come in towards the end. It was very helpful for her to basically say, I think you should add more here, take this out, give more here to this story. Um, that, that part was very, very helpful. Yeah, editors and producers are everything. But also the book feels very authentic. Just there's parts when you feel like, I didn't know you guys didn't make the National Roster. I just automatically assumed. So I was a little surprised to read that part. I was like, wow. And those are the parts that really resonate with the readers. Is that, is that something you set out to do? Or did that just happen organically? I think it happened pretty organically. And just when you when you set out to write something that's about your life, you want to add in the stuff that really helped shape you. And I mean, you think of the different struggles that we've been through um, in our lives and what's really helped us and pushed us and going through times where we got cut from teams, even though it didn't happen that often when it did or times where we didn't play or were healthy scratches. Like those were moments that we had, those were big learning experiences for us. And we grew as individuals, as teammates, as players, whatever it may be. And those were things that we wanted to share because I think that in those moments and the tough times, you really learn who you are as a person and you can, and it really shapes, I think your outlook on certain things moving forward. I've never heard that expression, healthy scratches. I think I'm going to, I'm going to use that. Like I've never heard that. And that's such a positive way, like a growth focused way to put something. Um, so we fast forward a little bit to 2016 and 2017, rather and leading up to the world. Was there a specific moment? Because in your book, you did say, you know, for example, when you talked about the hockey jerseys that were released and Mike had sort of fixed that and paid homage to the 98 gold that you have where they had before. And for the press or USA Hockey didn't actually let any women. And, and you mentioned how that's just one of the things leading up to where when you guys really, you know, were leaders in this campaign to raise awareness about gender equity in sport. Was there a moment that you're like, okay, this is, we're done. Because like taking on something like USA Hockey, which is really the main organization, it's not an easy thing to do. It requires a lot of, a lot of bravery here. Yeah. I, well, I think we illustrate it in the book is that it's not necessarily one glaring instance or experience that's like okay this is it or we've had it 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 was an underlying consistent theme basically throughout our career and things we had heard from veterans that came before us of a feeling undervalued and unacknowledged and the nike jersey example was very easy for people to to understand the world championship rings example is another thing that's very very simple to understand and I think the more frustrating part to that is in some ways, many of these things were unconsciously done. They weren't maliciously done. It was literally just not even being thought of. And so like, oh, should we include? No, we're not going to include the women. Um, you know what? I don't think that's how a lot of these things happen. They just didn't happen because nobody was thinking about the women's program. And so, which is almost worse. It is. You're not even to the point of intentionally doing it. You're still at the point of unintentionally unconsciously doing it, which yes, I do think is, is worse. Um, But to your, to your question, it was, it was multiple instances of different things happening. And then when you start to get into the actual equity piece of it and not, try not to get stuck on the material things. But um, when you find out the men's team gets $50 a day per diem versus the women's $15 a day per diem, how they travel versus how you travel, 
their families get a family fund for a family member to go to a world championship. The women's team has never been provided uh, that privilege. Um, you just kind of break these th things down into, okay, this is, it's not even equal. It's not even close to being equal. How do we change this so that the next generation doesn't have to deal with these problems? everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? This is Shireen, and I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. I've often turned to counseling and therapy to help me through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. But this service is available for clients worldwide. 
flamethrowers, wherever you are, BetterHelp can help you. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which may not even be possible in a pandemic anyway. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted there daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash burn, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they have started recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Burn It All Down listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash burn. That's betterhelp.com slash B-U-R-N. As somebody in the media who witnessed all this happen, and saw the conversations. I was also really heartened by the cross sport uh, solidarity that you got, like the shout out to Maine's soccer team that you got. That must have made you feel more supported that this is something that literally happens in every sport. Did that help at all? Did that, that sort of boost you all that, you know, there's people out there empathizing and saying, we're with you in this. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you think U.S. soccer and probably WNBA, I mean, they're pretty much a generation of head of women's hockey. And so when we set out, when we sought out representation, our lead lawyer at the time, John Langle, he represented U.S. soccer for 15 plus years. And so we actually talked to Julie Foudy from the outset and had her support and she gave us a lot of advice. And I think with social media today, we're able to learn from other sports and take lessons from what other female sports and female athletes have been able to accomplish. And I think other sports have been able to build off of what we've done or learn from our example. But yeah, I think if, if at any point in time, if what we were doing came across as selfish or greedy, I don't think we would have had the public support that we did. And we were coming from a place of trying to grow the game, not just for the national team, but for the next generation, because yes, we, we will benefit in the, in the short term and in the immediate short term, but I mean, we just announced our retirement, so we benefited for two, two and a half years out of our 14-year national team career. Uh, but ultimately, what we were able to do is going to affect the next generation and affect the next players that come through that locker room and hopefully grow the game from a grassroots uh, level up as well. And one of the things about that, and I love that you talked about the WNBA, U.S. Women's National Team, having those conversations from the women's hockey being in it, there's a lot of conversations were happening and one is about racial diversity and equity in sport as well and I know your foundation does work to provide for underrepresented communities how important is that discussion to you as like leaders on this team and arguably leaders in the sport to really because women's hockey quite frankly in hockey in general has been lagging to a to a huge part in this discussion on racial equity and justice 
I think, you know, at first, and I think for many, for many people, it's, it's slightly uncomfortable to, to step out and to be a voice because to be honest, so when we worked with Comcast corporate values initiatives, and we started working with their internet essentials programs, we were going to predominantly black schools. And we're, we literally said to each other, who do these kids want to hear from two white blonde girls? And then we said, well, who better to be talking about equity than the people, you know, who, who are white and who have benefited from um, the different cultural norms that exist today. And so um, we think it's important for everybody to be a voice for positive conversation around equity, whether that's gender equity or racial equity. Um, it's important that everyone is a part of the conversation. Gender equity is not just a women's problem. Um, it's... And it's not just men who, oh, I have a daughter and now I want things to be equal, which is a lot of time um, where some of the conversations we have with men start. And although it's better than not having that conversation, it, it, it's just a part of the bigger problem that I think um, our culture has. And so our foundation work, yes, it's, it's not just uh, centered around creating more opportunities for girls, but for under-resourced communities and underprivileged families and um, it's much bigger than sports. So our foundation work, for example, we, we helped equalize the lunch program in our, in our hometown. Um, meaning, uh, if your family qualified for free or reduced lunches, you were get the kids were getting fed, but they were getting cold lunches. And so we wanted to make sure every kid, no questions asked, was getting a hot lunch for the school year. Um, and we helped fund that program for the school year. And so from a basic needs level, uh, for kids to reach their full potential in school, they shouldn't have to worry about if they're getting a hot meal that day uh, during the school day, and then they can focus on the class that they're having. Uh, that work is very important to us and something that we're very, very passionate about. And those community connections, that grassroots stuff, you're still very connected to it from what I understand. And out of all the things that you find rewarding, what has been one of the most for you? Is it like increased girls in ice hockey? Is it the kids that are, you know, you get thank you letters? Like, is it, and for those that don't know, April 15th in Grand Forks is actually Jocelyn and Monique Lamoureux day. So is it having your own day? Like what has been one? Because a lot of this work is unglamorous to, to hustle, to do this kind of stuff, to have, like you said, the uncomfortable conversations. It's actually not glamorous work. It's just work. So what are some of the things that have been the most meaningful for you? Well, I think, I mean, you mentioned we have a day named after us. I couldn't, because you said it, I know what day it's on, but like, I couldn't, if you would have asked me what day it was, I wouldn't even have had a clue. I probably would have gotten the month wrong too. Um, but I think just seeing the impact, like I think we have a, we do an all girls hockey camp once a year um, on the Western side of the state uh, with one of our brothers. So like after the Olympics, I think we had 180 girls that signed up for the week and we had girls flying from all over the country and so to see the excitement and to see the growth around girls hockey, like we get, we get joy and value out of that. Or I think such an easy example for us is when we were working with the internet essentials program with Comcast, we would, we would go to these schools that Jocelyn was talking about and we would do laptop giveaways with these kids. And along with those laptops, they would get free internet access cards for six months up to a year. And so you see these kids that, are getting a free laptop and you would see kids that would start crying. You would see like hundred, like a hundred kids that would just be like screaming and going nuts. And we did a bunch of these giveaways and like almost every time you're almost like trying not to 
cry in front of all of them because you see like the impact that it's going to have on them because i mean the average person you probably just assume everybody has internet access at home but like if you i mean and the people that do assume that like think if you didn't have your phone for a day and you couldn't access your emails or you couldn't access like you couldn't go home and use a fire stick or whatever it may be like that's just but kids go daily people go daily without internet access and how are you supposed to reach your full potential if you don't have something that's really a basic necessity today so being a part of that program I think was really eye-opening for us and really inspired us to really kickstart our foundation as well yeah I think it's been it's been so impactful to do that work with Comcast and it's inspired us to do more in our home state and you know because we were traveling all over the country doing events with them and then we'd come home and we'd be home. Then we'd go do more events in different states. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in Grand Forks? What are we going to be doing in North Dakota and in the region to make a difference? And so that work has been been really inspiring and eye-opening to struggles that so many people go through. So those are all super important just to give people an idea of what happens behind the scenes. Like you're very committed to the foundation and the work you do, which is like, I love because that's something that I feel like is a thing with women athletes. It's never just about the sport. We're always doing something else, whether it's gender equity, whether it's racial diversity and justice, it was always, you can't just be an athlete, Like you already are committed to doing other things. I think this is just, you know, how it occurs for women in sport. So I want to kind of pivot to a lighter. I'm going to do a quick rapid fire question Brad, with you both. Because I mean, shootouts are pretty well, you guys nailed it, right? So, and um, mm-hmm. of some of these questions are personally motivated. So bear with me. Favorite women's player of all time, Saitaki. Favorite women's player, uh, Cami Granato. Angela Ruggiero. Toughest competitor in any hockey you've ever faced. I'm going to go Poulin. That's an easy one. Megan Augusta. That was a setup from that question. This was a very specific setup, so thank you both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, you know, Zabados. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, Zabados, yeah. Um, favorite tournament you've ever attended? Favorite tournament? Um, 2017 World Championships. I was going to say the Olympics. <laughs> that too, yeah. Favorite brother? Ooh, I don't think we're allowed to answer that one. Okay. Depends. Depends. Depends why we're calling them. <laughs> if I want a good laugh, I'll call Mario or Phil. Uh, most beautiful place you've ever visited because of hockey. Uh, Banff or Switzerland. I had the same answer there. Yeah. Okay. Favorite warm-up song. Just like fire or um. Oh my gosh, this is me from The Greatest Showman. I like Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. I love 80s music. Will your kids be playing ice hockey? If they want to. I mean, yes. If they want to, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite women's team that is not ice hockey that you stand? U.S. soccer team. Just to be different, I'm going to say U.S. gymnastics. So... I love all the answers to these questions. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Can you tell us where we can get your book, where you can find your work, where our listeners can follow you on social media? I'll go, Joss, and I'll take this one. <laughs> we're, as we're looking at each other, who's going to answer? Uh, so our book, Dare to Make History, is out. It, you can get it on Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble online, Target online, or you can go to your local bookseller 
And then you can follow us. We have a website, LamaruTwins.com. We have a shared Facebook page, Monique and Jocelyn Lamaru. We're at Twitter, at Lamaru Twins. Or we have separate Instagram accounts. It's Jocelyn USA 17 or Monique Lam 7. So that's plenty of ways to follow, follow along with us as we continue on in our lives. One last thing. If we're going to give a young girl one advice and whether she feels like she can't do it, it's too tough, there's not enough girls around, or it's too hard, she can't skate properly, puck handling is a bit weak. What's that advice that you would give her? My best piece of advice would be to dream big, set big goals, because no one else is going to do that for you. For me, uh, one of our strength coaches, she told me always like, think it, be it. And I know a big one is people, if you can see it, you can be it. But if you can't think that, if you can't think it for yourself and you can't think of yourself accomplishing something big, even if you can't see others doing it, it'll never happen. So think it, be it. Awesome. Again, I want to thank you both, Monique. Bon courage thank you. With, uh, with coming up. So good luck to you. Hope everything goes well healthy and again thank you so much for being on Bertola Down you both are legends and I wish you the best in your retirement and moving forward with all your work. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much.